He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock in the whole East Coast, just about. And uh, we have a great show for you again today. And in the in the studio, we have a common sense Democrat, Judge Richard Weinberg, a common sense uh, Republican, former Congressman Peter King, and my sidekick. We have Lydia Serrani. And by the way, this is a TriCast: WABC Radio seven seventy, WLIR, and uh, nine seventy AM on the dial. John, you're becoming so popular that people are saying what you say as like a catchphrase, right, Congressman yeah, King? Yeah, I was uh, at a uh, dinner on Saturday night. I'm the Grand Marshal of the, of the Lindenhurst St. Patrick's Day Parade, and it was the installation. And I think the whole dinner would be about me. So when the guy gets up and introduced <laughs> me, he stands up and he goes, what the heck is going on? I want common sense. Everybody says laughing. The whole audience knew about it, and they forgot about me. Then they wanted to talk about John all night. Well, part of the reason is because we have a great show. We're going to have General Jack Keane coming up very shortly. Then we'll be speaking with of, of Ann Donnelly. We'll also be speaking uh, with George, uh, Governor Pataki, excuse me, who's on a great humanitarian mission. He's on his way to Hungary. A, absolutely. Right there on the border of Ukraine. He's going to the border to help. Uh, you'll hear it's a great interview. Senator Alphonse D'Amato, as well as Senator Bill Haggerty. And on the line with us right now, we have Michael Goodwin, Pulitzer Surprise winning writer. And we'll also be speaking. Did I mention Ann Donnelly already? Yes. yes. Ann Donnelly, Great too. So we'll be speaking you know with you shortly. To Michael Goodwin? What the heck is going on? <laughs> I'm not going to fall for that one. Okay. All right. I mean, there's so many things going on, Michael. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I'm not, is it just my imagination or so many things are happening at the same time? Well, it does feel that way. Uh, it often uh, feels that sort of events are piling up on top of one another so quickly that we don't have time to, to understand and to get the full story about any one of them until the next one comes along. And uh, it, it, I have to say, uh, being in the news business, it's, this is the best of times and the worst of times because you, you're, you're never without interesting stories, but you also are somewhat dissatisfied that you're not able to get your hands around them completely for the readers. Well, uh, what in, in your library right now, what is the number one concern to you? Well, look, I, I, I think that uh, obviously it is uh, Vladimir Putin and whether or not he would resort to nuclear weapons if he feels he has no other choice. Now, uh, that that is a a topic that is frightening even to consider uh it takes us back to the almost the duck and cover days but uh there's a growing body of of uh opinion that he is he's trapped now he's trapped in ukraine he can't withdraw and he can't apparently succeed in taking over the whole country and so what does he do? And as a friend of mine said, uh, who is very worried about this, how does he get out of this box without using nuclear weapons, without at least a demonstration of, of a, perhaps a small nuclear weapon at sea just to show how serious he is? Don't forget, 
I mean, this fooling around with uh, the Chernobyl plant first and then the the other nuclear reactor uh, in Ukraine, uh, one of six other ones, uh, that they were they they were actually firing rockets and having a firefight uh, near it. I mean, it's inconceivable that you would even do something like that, given the potential catastrophe. Um, And then, of course, his uh, determination to put his uh, nuclear forces on high alert. Now, who knows what he's thinking? Uh, so that, that to me, John, is sort of worry number one in the world. Michael Goodwin, I think the only person that he, that he will listen to at this moment in time is the Chinese. Well, have no fear. Kamala Harris is heading over there now. <laughs> yes. Isn't that great? <laughs> I yeah, know. Please. Uh, the Chinese, he may have, we may have a chance to... You know, if if uh, Donald Trump was president, I think he would call the Chinese and say, take your friend Putin and calm him down. I think that's right. I, I, I think that Trump did appreciate sort of the, the great power game. And Biden seems to be playing checkers when they're playing, you know, three-dimensional chess. He, he seems never to be anticipating the next move always one or two moves behind and that's how you get in trouble because you a a you you miss your opportunities to to make a difference uh with timing but but also then at some point you you might feel the need to catch up with a big move and i think that in in this event uh, that could be dangerous as well so look obviously uh the suffering that the ukrainian people is, is horrific to watch. But we may, if Putin is crazy enough, we may long for this time as something of, of, of an innocence, uh, because once the nuclear weapons are in play, I mean, we've just never seen that. We've never really seen that world. I mean, you talk about the Cuban Missile Crisis and things yeah, like that. Yeah, Kru- was it Khrushchev didn't cross that line? That's right. Uh, right. JFK, and I was uh, I was around then. So JFK uh, and Peter King is around, and uh, Khrushchev, uh, JFK drew a line that says, "If you cross that, we're going to sink the boat. We're going to sink the carriers, do whatever." And uh, uh, Khrushchev blinked, turned around the Navy, and went the other way. Michael, if I could ask you a question, assume that China has some good faith, and they. And he, uh, you know, she does want to try to resolve it. What could they offer Putin that would encourage him to leave without totally emasculating Ukraine? I, th- I think they could tell him basically to accept, you know, perhaps the, the two eastern provinces, the, the Donbass region, um, that if he would settle for that, uh, some kind of federation with Russia, perhaps something that uh, – Ukraine would not necessarily be giving it up, but something that Putin could say was a victory. And then I think China would would have to buy into, uh, you know, all of Russia's oil and and coal, uh, natural gas. I mean, it needs it needs customers now. Russia will need customers. Michael, when you say uh, federation, you mean a federation as far as the Donbass region, or a federation with all of Ukraine? Because yeah, could Ukraine trust Russia? I mean, a year no, or two from no, now. No, no, no. no. It, would, it would only have to be the Donbass right, region. Okay. 
Yeah, no, I, I think Ukraine is going to remain independent or it's going to be totally occupied. I don't think there's any way that Ukraine would give up its independence voluntarily. I agree with that. Okay. And uh, that's uh, – What about oil? You know, the, if, if Poland send those MiGs to the mm, Ukraine, mm. are they sending them or they're not sending them? What's the, uh, what's the status? <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it seems to be a, an odd situation. Um, I, I think the, uh, the way I've been hearing it anyway is that the MiGs may not be essential, that uh, Ukraine already still has much of its aircraft intact, its air force, uh, and that the problem is that the Russian uh, batteries, uh, anti-aircraft batteries, are pretty good and covering the country. So it's not the MiGs. The MiGs might be subject to the same problem. Uh, so they're not seen by the Americans anyway as a great solution. That they feel like it's the, the Americans seem to be arguing that the real battle is on the ground. So and, what in should, terms of the, the tanks and everything to take them out? So Michael, it's Richard Weinberger. So what should we be giving the Ukraine that we haven't done already? You know, Richard, it's hard to say uh, from this vantage point. I think that we're we're all plowing things in there. And again, it's very late. It should have been done earlier. It should have been done in a way to deter Russia and to protect the Ukrainian people, uh, that it's being still done here two weeks into the invasion when you have a hospital being hit. You have apparently now 18 different kinds of medical facilities have been hit by the Russians. And so the argument that this is not intentional just doesn't fly at this stage of the game. But look, I think NATO, one of of the things I think has happened here is that NATO – uh, the European members of NATO have gone out front of the Americans. Th- this, I think, is, is a first in history. Uh, I mean, for many years, it seemed as though there would be no NATO without America. Well, I think this time you're seeing that there is a NATO because it's in their neighborhood, of course. Well, the, the, their ass is on the lines. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but right. that's... Uh... Yeah, but I know the war in Kosovo, John. Uh, NATO did nothing. Uh, it was air, air attacks. The U.S. did 95 percent. The British had 5% and screwed up half of that 5%. And had you not gone in there, Congressman, with Governor Pataki, uh, God only knows. God only knows. Well, and, it was, and, and, of and course, look, President Clinton. And, and, and you look at the sort of the war on terrorism. NATO was a no-show on the war on terrorism, um, you know, throughout Europe, throughout the world. So it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a funky organization. Um, I think it, it has clearly pulled together here at the right time. I think Germany's decision to go along with the SWIFT uh, sanctions, to go along with uh, reducing uh, Russian energy products, I think was a very big move. And, 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 and Germany also sent weapons to Ukraine. I mean, you had all kinds of the Swiss sending weapons to Ukraine, always neutral. So I think this is a big event in in the life of NATO, in the life of a of a treaty that has sort of come to life. But again, Joe Biden, I think, is trying is playing catch up. And it's just fascinating. The Wall Street Journal story today where the leaders of Saudi Arabia and the UAE would not take his phone calls. Uh, Well, let me tell you something. And uh, I was with the uh, uh, former uh, uh, Canadian prime minister for dinner last night, 
and he just got back from Saudi Arabia, and uh, he was told that Saudi Arabia would not take Biden's phone calls. And the Wall Street Journal is reporting, Michael Goodwin, again, we're speaking with the Pulitzer Prize winning writer for the New York Post. They they're reporting the same thing and that Reuters was also reporting now. I just totally lost my uh, train of thought that, oh, he's trying to get oil from Venezuela now. So they actually well, confirmed it through their that's sources. That's subsidiary of Russia. Yeah. It's insanity. Yeah. It's insanity. And you, what's going on? Now I sound like well, John. I, I, I look, I, I think that uh, Joe Biden or somebody who's ever the acting president drank the Kool-Aid on the Green New Deal. And it's insane. It makes no sense logically. It makes no sense in terms of even environmental issues. You would rather have Venezuela and Iran and Saudi Arabia pump your oil rather than you and Canada uh, so that you could keep the jobs here, so that America could become energy independent. I mean, we discussed this last week. How can anyone not Now, look at the playing field and say, you know what, in this world, it's good to be energy independent. Why would you you would you would most countries would give their arm to be energy independent in this in this type of environment, but not Joe Biden. Uh, It's it's unfathomable. Don't forget what Secretary Gates said. (laughs) Secretary Gates, I had breakfast with him a couple months ago. He says, John, I've served eight presidents. And under all eight presidents, whatever Joe Biden did, he always screwed up international politics. And, John, I want to ask you, because you, you're, you're an energy expert, basically. You've already predicted that we're going to have $7 a gallon gas. I said only if it holds over $120 a barrel. It, that's true. If it holds. It dropped today $10. Thank God. So let's see what happens. Well, is there anything else you want to say uh, before uh, we go to break? Uh, Michael? Well, no, just, uh, John, John, you asked what was the most important thing, uh, yes. and, and I said Russia, and I think the second most important thing <laughs> is is the bad, poor, dangerous leadership of Joe Biden. It uh, is very serious. in this situation, but I think it, Biden's leadership problems expand even greater than this, as we saw in Afghanistan, and now this choice to do the Iran deal again, presumably, to get oil from Venezuela. I mean, the bad ideas never stop. And that's the Iran undermine deal us. is horrible. I mean, you know, that will undermine us so much in the Middle East. I mean, Trump did such a great job of pulling the Arab countries away from Iran, firming up Israel. And now, if we're playing games with Iran, that's going to, I think, undermine everybody in the Middle East. And now the White House is trying to create this narrative that a lot of Americans are believing that we're seeing these high prices at the pump and the inflation due to Putin. This has been going on from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, uh, any port in a storm, right? I mean, they're, in a, they're in a political storm at home as well, and so they're, they're grabbing uh, at any excuse they can make that don't blame us. Well, Michael Goodwin, thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again real soon because we've got to tell the American people the truth. Thank My you. My pleasure. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. And-